This is the Work Minus Podcast, where we talk about what we need to drop from how we work today and transformative ideas to help you build a better workplace. To hear all of our episodes and read articles about how you can improve your workplace, go to workminus.com. Well, welcome back to Work Minus. Today, our guest is Bill Jensen. He's an authority on making things simple. That's why I really wanted to speak with him today. And this episode is called Work Minus Stupid Stuff. Hi, Bill. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Neil. Yeah, no, I'm excited to talk with you. Well, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do? Well, thanks for asking. For over 30 years, I've been known as Mr. Simplicity, as that's my first book. I'm uh, now writing my ninth. And what I do as a consultant, it's called help, you know, change management or helping companies go through change. But it's just I help people sort through the stupid stuff. Most of the things that, are, that come at us are stupid these days, and we got to figure out what's important, what matters, and what doesn't. So I help individuals, executives, team leaders figure that out for themselves so they can get more work done with less stupid stuff. Well, start us off with some of your highlights. What are some of the few big winners about some of the stupidest things you've seen in organizations? Well, first, let me, let me clarify the question, Neil. It's, there, there are really two big stupid buckets. All right. And your listeners, uh, depending on how many people they lead, own both. So it, it goes into what every individual owns and what every organizational leader owns. Okay. So the two buckets of stupid stuff is what companies or organizations do that make the work stupid, and then the individual. So I'll, I'll, I'll end with the individual because nobody wants to talk about themselves. I'm <laughs> okay. perfect. You know, I'm, I never do stupid stuff. So of let's, course, of course. let's start with them, which is the organization. But as I understand your audience that are you know team leaders of up to 100 and have the authority to change things, uh, you also have a response. You, the listener, have a responsibility to address this. And the biggest thing that I find that's stupid, uh, I call it organization-centeredness. Another way to think of it is uh, how it's a fallacy that there is no I in team, that we need to understand that every team is, uh, is made up of individuals. And organizational tools and structures and processes are designed to make things simpler for 10 people, 100 people, 1,000 people, 10,000 people, but not necessarily for the individual. So the way most organizations are using technology, tools, structures, and processes make things simpler for the company to succeed, but not necessarily for the individual. So your job as a team leader is to really understand where are processes and tools and technologies, making things more complicated for the individual. Uh, a simple example of this is uh, ERP's enterprise uh, resource planning tools mm -hmm. that are designed to make the most efficient use of tools. And I was uh, keynoting for uh, a, a well-known global brand, and it was about a technology, the ERP technology that made uh, it easier for people at the top to control everybody underneath. And this technology, look, the CIO uh, is going, look at this cool, cool tool. You can turn this knob and you can change people's vacations and you can make sure all the resources are in the right place at the right time. And I, thought, I was keynoting after the guy and I said, whoa, 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 let's be clear. 
what you just did with that easy little turn of that button that made it easier for you to control resources. One of them was a single mom uh, who's been planning with three kids, has been planning for three years to go to Disney World. Hmm. And you just screwed up her life amazing vacation. Yeah. Do you really think that's simple for her? So what we need to have conversations, we in the organization that have influenced that, we need to have conversations about how we make things more complicated for individuals when we make things simpler for the company. That's the stupid part that most companies don't own. And the second part, the t second bucket of stupid is uh, everybody should stop shooting all over themselves. Okay. That's S-H-O-U-L-D. If you didn't hear me correctly, no, <laughs> I didn't curse. You should stop shitting all over yourselves because most of our behaviors, oh, I should do this. I should go to this stupid meeting. I should open this stupid email. I should pay attention to this thing, even though I know it's a waste of my time. And this is the actual harder part, you know, getting individuals to change their behaviors. So one of the things I talk about most often is the, the most important number in business, and it is 1,440. It's never talked about 1440. You have any idea what it is? You, you guys, you, you know, even in your studios and in, in your area, you experienced it yesterday, you can experience it today, you can experience it tomorrow. What's the most important number in business that's 1440? This is some measurement of time, I'm guessing. Spot on. It's the number of minutes in a day. And what happens when we wake up, each of us individually are given an amazing gift. We get 1,440 minutes every day to use as we see fit. But most of us you know, should those things to death. Oh, I should go to this stupid meeting. I should answer this stupid email. I should be allowing my boss to interrupt my time with my kid. Because otherwise, I'll be perceived as a bad you know, teammate. So what I help people do in the stupid stuff is it takes courage to say, to say no to things. So I help individuals realize what matters in their life. And it always, always it's never work. Work is always secondary. It's even if you're passionate about an entrepreneur or what, love what you do is work, it's always family, friends, self, uh, values, religion, community, and then building work into that. And what most people realize is they use work uh, to shove out time with or cancel out time with their kids or their community or themselves. So a lot of what I do when I'm speaking to individuals, not team leaders, but individual performance, is I, I help them understand how to have self-respect, how to respect themselves that, that those 14, 40 minutes are precious. So, so those are the two big buckets of stupid stuff that organizations need to understand that team does have the letter I in it. It's individual, and we need to make sure that we understand we're meeting the needs of every individual, not just the team. And for the individuals, you have some accountability too. You've got to stop you know, throwing your time away and spending it on stuff that doesn't matter. And even if that takes courage, you need to do it. All right. So you, you've set us up for a, a ton of follow-up questions here. So I'm going to start with this. You talk about organizational centeredness, and I'm thinking of like, almost the ego of the organization as a whole. What, what kind of parallels are there between how an organization needs to think of itself and just self-realization? Are, are there 
clear parallels there? Uh, yeah, it's think of it again. The use of technology. Um, a little over ten years ago, Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone, and ever since then, every consumer out there has learned about user-centered design. We tend, whether you use an Android, whether you use an uh, Apple product or or some other brand, we tend to go towards things that make things easier for us. Now, you still have. Uh, an infrastructure that Apple has designed uh, with the iTunes store and everything else, but it's designed and it's made it easier for every individual to make things, uh, to make it easier for every individual. We've now been exposed as consumers to that. So we're expecting technology and processes to be more responsive to our needs not just the companies you know the the company way is you're all going to fit this way you're all going to apply for vacations this way you're all going to apply for expense uh, re, you know reimbursement this way because it makes it easier for us to control costs well the company doesn't realize things that they're using a portion of somebody else's life to control those costs. They're taking time away from somebody. So the solution there on the organizational side is what's called design thinking. And the essence of that is empathy. Before you design anything that makes it easier for a thousand people to do something, walk a mile in their shoes. See what it's like to, to, to fill out that vacation report. Yes, you do need to standardize you know, how you apply you know, vacation time or, or budgets or expenses, but understand what people are going through. Make it easier. This is what software designers understand, good ones, is they understand a good UX or user experience is key. So we need to do a lot more of understanding what it's like to work for your company and have we made the user, that being the workforce or the worker bee, experience happy, simple, joyous. And we need to spend more time on that. So what happens when somebody brings up the excuse that says, look, I, you know, I have so many people on my team. I, I'd love to tailor every individual experience to be optimal, but I can't do it for everybody. So I, I have to take what seems like the easiest route. How do you combat against that? BS, 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 BS. Because technology allows you to tailor everything for everybody. The interface, the way, you know, I want things first thing in the morning. You may want th certain things in the afternoon. It's okay. It's the allow the technology. Now, yes, there are certain standard things that can't be tailored. Now, I travel for a living a lot, and I fly internationally a lot. Now, I would love to bypass security because I think it's a pain in my ass, but I can't. <laughs> I have to go through security. Um, but because I'm a frequent traveler, I have global one pass. You know, I've, I've, I've this thing that makes it easier to, to check in with my fingerprint, and I can bypass a thousand people. Because I'm a frequent flyer, I, I have travel pre-check, uh, and I can, I can go through without taking my shoes off. If I go through uh, a certain airport that has the technology, there's called clear, I can use my retinal scan to be passed through. We can make things easier for the individual if we choose to focus on that. The problem is we don't. It's just wherever we can, we are very, very good between the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. We have perfected taking, taking friction, meaning places where uh, 
efficiency or costs get hung up. We've taken, we've gotten excellent at taking friction out of the systems where it costs the company time or energy or money. We still suck at taking friction out of where it means taking friction out for the individual that saves me, the individual, time or energy or efficiencies. And we need to put a lot more emphasis on that. So do you feel like we expect too little out of what technology we have now? From It's not that we expect too little, it's the lens we use. Most company infrastructures and tools and technology that they allow or that they endorse or they, or they pay for are corporate-centered. The people that are designing them are thinking, how do we make things efficient for a thousand people? How do we make it efficient for the manager of a team of 100 to manage the team of 100? Not, how do we make it easier for Becky or Jim or Sue to do their lives? So design thinking is expecting more from a user-centered perspective. Okay, well, let's think more about from the organizational perspective, uh, somebody who's trying to design a, a system. What are some of the key questions as they're going through? Obviously, you know, how do I make this easier for the person is, is one, but what are some other questions they can ask to help in this design thinking process? Well, let me even further simplify. I recognize that for some of you listeners, teams of 20 to, to 100 or so, that some of them may not be in control of the budgets and, you know, that they may say, yeah, that's nice, Bill, but I don't, you know, that's not my, in my sphere of control. Let me focus on, to answer your question, uh, some things we can make it simpler, uh, on what is in every single manager and team leader's control. And it's how you communicate with people. Now remember, uh, now this doesn't, this can use technology or it doesn't have to. It can be face to face or it doesn't, or, or using technology, virtual or face to face. Uh, remember what I said earlier that everything we do uses a portion of someone else's life. Make sure you are organized and ready to use everybody's time and attention. Many team leaders come to me and say, oh, I'm so crazy. I didn't have time to prepare, but I walked in and I did the best I could without having time to prepare. Yeah, well, you just amplified wasting 10 or 20 people's time instead of just yours. Every meeting, every email takes a little bit of pre-work because what that means is you're saving tens of minutes or hundreds of hours through the whole system by that organizing. And the first thing... Um, I want you to think about is I take this from how people listen. Most people listen to object or to react versus to really comprehend. Also how we prepare to communicate. Most team leaders and managers prepare to communicate from their perspective, not the individual's perspective. So what I do is I teach team leaders how to communicate from their team's perspective. And the instant pushback, as you did earlier, you know, is, you know, well, I don't have time to prepare for, you know, to talk to, to Becky and Sue and Jim and, and John and, and Jane about everything in the team meeting. I got to be more focused. That's valid. Here's a model that is two models that are useful for every individual. And yet you're still tailoring for them. One is remember the three to five rule. And this relates to attention span. You may, you the manager may be in charge of them and their goals and their responsibilities, but you cannot control or manage 
how they use their time, their attention. Everybody's attention, everybody, you, me, all of your listeners, we are all ADD right now. Microsoft recently did a study that we have the average attention span of a goldfish. Uh, it's really just a few seconds. So the three to five second rule is understanding how to organize, how to communicate something from people's attention span. And that attention span, it's maximum three to five seconds for online or virtual texting or anything that's electronic, and three to five minutes for anything that's face-to-face. So does that mean you can only have three to five minute meetings? No. What that means is there are no longer 12, there are no longer one hour meetings. There are there's a, there's a meeting that has 12 five-minute segments. And every time, every five minutes or less, you have to compete for attention. You have to make sure you're capturing their attention. And every three to five seconds, does that mean I can't write long emails? No, you can write long emails. Of course you can. But recognize that nobody is reading every, anymore. They're skimming. So make sure that whatever you have that's at the top of that email is uh, easily skimmable within three to five seconds. Now I got more, one more model, but before I go through, did you have a question or something you wanted to tag on with? No, I'm just uh, really taking in this theme of respecting people's time, respecting their attention, and how important that is as a leader, that it's not about getting things out of these people, but to really respect them and, and try to to allow them to to make those decisions to build more productivity in the organization. So that, that's the takeaway I'm taking right now. Exactly. That is huge, Neil. And, and I got to tell you, n- most leaders don't get that. It's like I was doing a full day workshop for uh, one of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies. And the executive goes, wow, I just realized something. I do this all the time for my boss because I know my boss's time is valuable. And I got to be concise and every, do everything. On, he wants everything on one page. And I got to get to the point, just three bullet points. But wow, I never realized I need to do that for my team, too. That their time and attention is valuable. So the first thing is respect people's time and that everything you do is using a portion of someone else's life. So you've got to make sure that you're giving the most value from their perspective, not just yours in those three to five seconds, three to five minutes. And the second thing is, how do you, how do you, you know, Bill, how do you tailor something for every, I've got a hundred people that report to me. How do I tailor everything for 100 people? Well, the secret is not tailoring for 100. It's recognizing human nature. And it's a very simple model that's built on human design, not on organizational design. And I've teached this all around the world. It works in all cultures, companies, languages. It's universal because it's human-based. And how to communicate to anybody is three things. Know as in knowledge, K-N-O-W. Know, feel, do. Everybody is made up of those three components and they want three things from you as quickly as possible. What's the one thing you want me to know or understand or think about? Why should I care about it? or connect with me emotionally, make sure you tell me I'm doing good or that I matter. Some variation of EQ, connect with them emotionally. And then the last thing is do. Uh, what's the one thing you want me to do? Uh, 
So your goal as a communicator, in whether you're having uh, team huddles that just last 10 minutes, whether you're having a long rollout meeting, whatever it is, or you're sending something virtually, make sure you hit all three of those components as quickly and as, as fully as you can within a brief time frame. Here's the one thing, Neil, I want you to know. I, I, we led up to it, by the way. This was my punchline. You, you got there. The one thing I want you to know about this stupid stuff segment that we're doing right now, mm-hmm. it's about respect. Yeah. You, you nailed it in the middle, but that's my punchline. The one thing I want all our listeners to know how to get rid of stupid stuff, it's respect yourself more, it's respect others more. The one thing I want, you know, feel, I can't make you, Neil, or any of your listeners feel something, but I can be empathetic, I can be caring, I can be funny, I can be serious. I want everybody, every listener right now to feel that their life matters. And that it's their job to get rid of the stupid stuff for themselves and their teammates because their life matters. And what's the one thing I want you to do? Here's two things. Start remembering people's time and attention is precious. Remember the three to five rule. And when you try to write or communicate or stand in front of people for you know an hour at a time, remember no as a knowledge. No, feel, do. Because everybody is all three of those components. And if you miss any one, if you just focus on do, 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 you become that hard-ass manager. If you just focus on feel, you become the touchy-feely, non-efficient, non-effective manager. If you focus just on no as a knowledge, you're intellectual, but you're not helping people get their work done. All three are crucial. Wow. Oh, that's a that's a brilliant framework to use when communicating to the people that you're you're leading. I've tried to practice what I preach. I don't know how you would compare my speech pattern to other people you've interviewed, but I recognize I'm speaking faster right now than I normally would to a group because I recognize audio or webinars. People are multitasking. All of you listeners, I know you're multitasking right now as you're listening to this. I know you are. Don't take your eyes off the road. <laughs> Part of what I try to do is make sure that I'm competing for the listener's attention. So I'm speaking faster. I'm speaking uh, with more punch at certain times, more calmness at certain times. So I'm trying to model what I'm talking about. Yeah. and and But what you're saying is it's, it takes a lot of work to be a, a good manager, a good team leader in this way. You have to really think through these things. You can't just sh- send off emails or throw up some slide presentations. You really have to think deeply about these things and then bring them in. You as the manager are the ultimate simplifier. You are standing there in between two funnels with the narrow neck of the funnel coming at you. You've got all this organizational and marketplace and customer data and demands coming at you. It's a huge funnel and it narrows down to you and you're going to, you're going to, simplify and synthesize and organize the entire marketplace and the entire organization down to your team one day at a time, one hour at a time. And on the other end, you're the funnel of, you know, 20 to 100 or more teammates, all their stuff and their family stuff and their their personal development stuff all coming at you in a big funnel and you need to be organize it and simplify it. So you are the ultimate simplifier. That is your job. It's the simplifier of all of the stuff in the two funnels to make it easier for both the organization 
and the individual to get things done. Wow. Those are really powerful concepts. Uh, you have not disappointed me, Bill. I was really looking forward to this conversation, and it's been great to to get your insights from this. Where can people go to to stay in touch with you if they want to um, attend one of your workshops? Where, where should they reach out to you? Uh, my website is simplerwork.com, S-I-M-P-L-E-R-W-O-R-K.com. And my email is bill at simplerwork.com. And you can look me up on LinkedIn, Bill Jemison. Well, Bill, it's been fantastic to talk to you. I have a lot to think about and to, to process through all this. So I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. Thank you so much, Neil. I've appreciated your time. This has been the Work Minus Podcast. If you like what we're doing, go to workminus.com where you can see the show notes and a full transcript for every episode. You can also sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest progressive ideas about how you can build a better workplace. 